Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. On today's episode, we're joined by Jolly Cohen, Group SVP and Head of Global Talent at the ADECO Group, a global human resources and staffing firm. Jolly is a seasoned human resources executive with more than two decades of experience in leading teams across global organizations and matrixed environments. Prior to joining the ADECO Group in May 2020, Jolly held various human resources and business partner roles throughout the United States, EMEA, Latin America, and the Caribbean with the Newell Brands and Centene. Now as head of global talent for the ADECO Group, Jolly is responsible for leading the organization's global initiatives in the areas of DEI, people analytics, talent acquisition, learning and development, well-being, and the talent experience. In addition to this work, she is also a member of the CNBC Workforce Executive Council and a founding member of Chief, a private membership network focused on connecting and supporting women executive leaders. As a trusted member and industry expert, Jolly has been quoted across various national publications that include Fast Company, Inc., U.S. World, U.S. News and World Report, CNBC's Make It, and Investor's Business Daily. We've asked Jolly to join us today to take a look at the current state of the talent market and really answer that question that we're seeing bubbling up in Q4 of 2023, and that's that September surge. Is it happening in 2023? Again, great opportunity to meet Jolly today and dig into that information. So let's get her welcome. Jolly, welcome to the HR Works Podcast, and thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Josh, for having me. Well, it is great to have you. I'm excited to get you introduced to our audience here with the HR Works podcast. So let's start there. Why HR? What was that initial spark that really led you to pursuing and building a great career in human resources? Well, I would say similar to many uh, HR leaders, I did not anticipate starting in HR. I think HR usually ends up being a winding road for many of us where we kind of either land in it or, or something happens that really, really triggers our interest into it. I actually, this is very random, but I was graduating law school and I had the intention to go and actually work for the United Nations uh, in their UNDP, their United Nations Development Program. And this was during the time of 9-11, oh, which wow. I know a majority of people, I was just doing a panel somewhere and I asked how many people remember 9-11 and I was surprised um, because of the audience I was speaking to, many of them were still um, in their infant or elementary ages uh, during that time. So that was eye-opening for me, but it was the time of 9-11 and it was not an opportunity for me to go down that path at that time, just for security reasons, political reasons. And I remember going through the law school, through the career center, and I ended up meeting um, someone from, at that time, it was Newell Rubbermaid, which is now Newell Brands. And in a random moment, she asked me about a career in HR, because I was telling her that I was looking for opportunity. And it triggered there where I started actually in their HR rotational program. I think during that time, we were the first and the last class of that program at that time. But that's how I ended up in HR. It was never an intention to go into it. And I found that HR was a great fit because you're constantly analyzing uh, information, situations, doing risk analysis. So it ended up being a great fit for me two decades plus later. That is fantastic. I love asking that question because you get such unique stories every time. There's no 
two stories that are the same. There's new paths that are the same. Uh, it's much like corporate culture or much like any personalities like people. Again, no one's the same. No path is identical, but each one is unique and really special. That one is special in itself. So yeah, thank you for sharing that, Jolly. That's great. No problem. All right. So looking at the talent market today, again, we got you on in mid-September. We're right in the thick of this conversation we're hearing around September surge. And I do want to dig into whether that's happening or not in 2023, but I think we need to set the table first and look at where we are in the state of the current labor market, the current talent market. How would you describe where we currently are heading into quarter four of 2023? Um, I would say it's definitely a, a talent market, right? We know this. We, we hear it on the news all the time. And when you think of areas such as September surge, um, as I know it's going viral right now, it's real. It is absolutely real because people are returning from summer holidays, right? They are also uh, parents that took off. You have peak hiring seasons. But I think a lot of the peak hiring seasons you will see are in the seasonal or the temporary work. Okay. Because people are ramping up for the holidays, whether it be delivery drivers, gift wrappers, uh, retail store, e-commerce, distribution centers. All of these companies are, are ramping up to service the holiday market going into the spring. So I think the surge is real. I don't think, though, it's anything new. I think it's something that has, has ticked up now because people like to name everything, but it is something that is continuing. The same thing that happens in the spring when a lot of people exit and change jobs. It's, it's the same cycle we see between spring and fall in the labor markets. That is a great way to get us started. So it's real. It's happening. Who's driving the marketplace? I think we've seen such interesting shifts over the last few years, especially where there have been moments where talent is driving the marketplace. At other moments, the employers are driving the marketplace. Where are we now? Is it existing employees, prospective talent or employers who are really setting the tone? It's still the it's a mix, I would say. So let me let me answer this in two parts. I would absolutely say this is a talent-driven market and employers are clear that the talent, our worker pool, they care about flexibility, well-being, and really being with purpose-driven organizations. That is a trend I have not seen change since we're in this post-pandemic moment. So starting in 2021, 2022, now 2023, going into 2024, I don't see that shifting. Workers really do care about this. I would also say that just in regards to the talent, because talent, they really are driving this market. Companies are trying to figure out how do we meet the employees where they are and how do we offer something for everyone? Because the market is scarce, you cannot impose when it's employer driven, you can set the tone and the standard and say, this is what I want my way. But since it really is focused on what the needs of the talent are, they're trying to offer something while meeting the business needs. So how can we be present and offer the flexibility and the focus on well-being that our employees need, as well as meeting our needs and focusing on a very productive market? So that would probably be on the first piece of your question. On the second piece, I would say existing employees are critical. Retention and the need to retain your key talent is at an all-time high. We have to remember unemployment is still low. And because of that, the market is just a tight, tight labor market. And even if the jobs may reduce slightly, you're fighting for the same top talent. 
So the same way the external market is fighting for your talent, I would argue organizations internally should also have that same view. And it goes back to, this is the market you're in when it's a talent-driven market. Companies are, are still fighting for talent. They still have to be flexible, offer an inclusive environment, and really focus on how are they adding values to their employees so their employees in turn can add value to them. That's so good. So are there any differences between what prospective talent and existing talent are looking for from an employer? So this is interesting because I would say from an employer point of view, oftentimes, and I've seen this, and this is um, industry and company agnostic, let me be clear. Right. You often put out the red carpet for prospective employees and prospective talent versus rolling it out for those that are with you day in and day out. And I would challenge, and I do challenge companies to roll out the red carpet for the talent that they're trying to keep. Because once you have someone in the organization and you onboard them and you train them and you invest time in them and they understand your company culture, they understand the players and whether it be large or small internal politics you have, those are the hardest things for people to navigate when they're a new employee coming in. So caring for your existing talent and really rolling out that red carpet for them, making sure you're providing, again, the flexibility, opportunities for well-being, understanding what they value. And the only way to find out what people value is to ask them what matters to you by really focusing on those three key areas. I personally would argue um, employers should focus on caring for their existing employees. Because if you do, it in turn helps your brand that helps naturally recruit prospective employees because they will know once they join your organization, it's not like you're, you're looking behind the curtain and something else is different. You know that once you have that reputation, that once they join your organization, that you will care for them as well, which is really what employees want, whether it be existing or a perspective, they want to know, will I be cared for? If I'm giving you my best, will you in turn give me your best? Oh, that is so good. I love that you mentioned creating that great experience for the existing employees and that can attract talent, right? It's the idea that you're not building a quick stop for talent, that you're building something that can be tangible, that can be viable, that employees want to stay at and that they're buying what they're sold. It's that idea too, that you build careers with new opportunities. And that's going to both, like, as you said, retain that top talent that you have. That's institutional knowledge that you don't want to lose. That's valuable. But you could still bring in, again, those added pieces in the talent marketplace that are interested, that are appealing, that can really help propel you and move forward. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. Well, that is fantastic. So are we seeing any unique trends out of the marketplace? I love that you said meet the talent where they are, whether they're existing or prospective. Are we seeing any trends out there that are unique? So when I say unique being in the talent space, I would again focus on it, it is a shift. And I don't want to say that I think it's unique or, or different. I think because we have different generations in the workforce, what you see are changes because we have four to five, it depends on what kind of industry you're in, generations in the workforce and their needs are vastly different. Whether you're looking at traditionalists all the way to Gen Z, you have to look at and stop and say, what are the needs of this particular generation and how do we create an inclusive environment where they can all thrive? 
And I personally don't see that as a unique trend. I see that as an inclusive environment. How do you create one where you can include all of them, where they feel like that they belong while respecting their differences? Not only respecting, if I could go off of this for a minute, not respecting their differences, but valuing what they each bring to the workforce. Everyone brings their own perspective and their own experiences. So if I can give you an example, um, the ADECO group, one of our brands, we do placement and we do placement through technology. So you go in, you can go into an app, you can apply for a job, you immediately hear back. My generation, not to date myself, we grew up when you had to go to a newspaper circle the ad, call the number, wait weeks, and physically go in where you handed them a resume. Could you imagine that now? Imagine me having that is my experience from applying to someone who has the one click. I go on my smart app on my phone. I hit one click and I have applied and I have a response within 24 hours if I have a job or not. Oh, it's amazing. It couldn't be simpler. And I'm not too far to forget the classifieds as well. It's been amazing to see that evolve over really not that long of time to where it could not be easier to apply if you're talent, but also to get talent for an open position. I think we're seeing it on both sides. But that is just an example of the experiences that we're bringing when you talk to people, because I would sit with some of my Gen Z, and they may express, why does it take this long? And I have to explain, this is new, right? This right. is, it's old for you, but it may be new for this generation, which then leads me to, I don't think it's a unique trend, but I think it is one of the most overlooked, free and simple things to do for any organization. And that's reverse mentoring. And that is having either way for your earlier in career talent, mentoring, coaching, and providing feedback to your more senior leaders, as well as the traditional sense of mentoring where you have your executives mentoring your earlier in career talent. The lessons I learn from people that are straight out of college, new to the industry or new to the workforce, by far surpass almost anything else that I can say that I have learned in the past few years. I mean, the energy, the technology, not only the technology, the energy, their views, they're naturally inclusive. And so they bring up items and areas that are not even, um, it's not even on their radar, where for me, it was something I might have had to fight for. So just really those views, I would say, are fantastic. It's having those conversations and really seeing what you might be missing if you're not having those conversations and asking those questions and providing that access to new employees all the way to the top to really feel like their voice is heard and create that value you touched on. I jotted it down on my notes, value in big letters, because I think that really stands out. How do you create that value for, at times, five different generations in a workforce? You have to listen to them. You have to ask and listen. So oftentimes people make assumptions. Right. But our assumptions are based on where we are and our experiences. And you're missing, I'm missing the experiences of boomers and traditionalists. I'm missing the experiences of millennials and Gen Z because I'm a Gen X. The only way for me to know is to pause and ask. And I think that's a, a powerful tool, not only for, for companies or corporations, but for leaders 
is to take the time to ask and listen and then action the feedback that you hear. So let people know, this is what I heard, this is what you told me, and this is how we will incorporate it. Or, you know what? You don't always have to agree. We understand this is your feedback, but we have chosen to go this path and this is why. But to make sure that you have a clear understanding of the market and of the needs of those varying generations is so key. And it creates an environment where they will want to be a part of because they at least have a voice, even though it's very different, but they have a voice and they know that you have listened to them. Yeah, that is a great way to look at it, to create that investment that again, creates that long tenure that can then attract new talent in who are also looking for that same experience. So you really can create that on the ground floor by just asking those questions, opening up that communication. That's so key. So. Jolly, looking at the talent market and hearing again that it's so clearly a talent-driven market right now, as hiring teams are out there looking for that next great talent or looking at their existing talent and saying, how do we really make the most of who we currently have? I love using this as a great way to, to give a takeaway to our audience. So what is one thing that hiring and talent teams should stop doing immediately that's just clearly a waste of resources? It, it leans similar to, but from a different um, vantage point of what I was saying on focusing and making sure you're caring for your existing employees. I would say we need to stop, absolutely stop ignoring and start investing in your middle management. This is a group that's very often overlooked. We have the opportunities to really uplift them and encourage them. This is a tough job. Being in middle management, you are executing senior executive strategy, the company strategy. You're dealing with the day-to-day of your frontline workers. You're managing all of the issues that pop up. And it's almost a thankless job in many cases because if you don't make it to that executive rank, you feel kind of stuck very often. It's often the first group when you're going through any type of layoff or cost reduction that is eliminated or you're reduced. And then what happens is the work doesn't disappear. It ends up going to someone else in middle management. You're just told to absorb it. So I would really say it is the middle management, please stop ignoring them and taking the time to invest, create assessments and evaluating the readiness for that role. That is such a key role and a waste of one of your most critical resources because this is how the work gets done. I, as an executive, am not the one executing the day in and day out. I have a phenomenal team. Let me say this again, a phenomenal team. I hope they're listening uh, of of leaders who are driving and making sure the day-to-day happens, that they're managing the teams and the issues that arise. So that would be my feedback on this one. Oh, thank you for sharing that, Jolly. That is such a great message to get out to our audience. That importance of middle management. We saw it and have seen it over the last three years that the middle management group is really one of the most impacted with burnout, something that we're continually talking about and saw play out, um, especially during and post-pandemic. It was that middle management group that really took the brunt of a lot of that the burnout and stressors that came on with so much change because, again, you're carrying the message from leadership, but also really keeping the day-to-day things on track with the rest of the staff. So there is just a an importance in valuing and supporting that middle management that I'm so glad to hear you say that and share that with our audience. I think that's so key. 
So if I could continue with what you were just saying, yeah, even on the burnout piece, and, and we saw that during the pandemic and, and in this post-pandemic era is that you had, and just I'll give you an example, during the pandemic, we were creating, recreating, and, and trying to figure out what to do, right? There was definitely a 24-month window where we were figuring out what to do. Things were changing on a weekly, sometimes daily basis. And your middle managers were the ones who, every time you would enter um, issue from senior leadership, a directive or a policy or a change, they had to implement it. And with the shifts, imagine they were having to change their communications on a regular basis. They're also the people who your employees were talking to, whether it be a loss of a family member, the stress, and I can definitely relate to this, the stress of having kids at home the stress of the financial loss, we cannot forget there were several industries that had very long furloughs. And so your employees that may be a part of two income homes became a part of one. They also had kids at home. They were caring for aging parents. They themselves were facing illness. And your middle management, they were the face to all of that. Now we flip post-pandemic. Same middle managers, are now facing the questions, and you hear it all over the media, on the return to the office. What does the office mean? What is the hybrid way of work? So really focusing on how to navigate flexibility and still uh, retaining productivity, which is key, because I would say flexibility is here to stay. Let me just state that now. But really, they're the ones who are having to manage the pressure all companies are putting on the same exact group to how do you drive productivity in an environment where you cannot physically see your employees and all of the, the changes that go with that. I would say it's a group that really has has a heavy lift and it's a heavy lift for the foreseeable future. And I've had to get really creative with motivation too and keeping teams on task, motivated with so many changes coming in, whether it is even returned to office. Okay, what does that mean? How do you keep teams who may not be ready to come back and keep them encouraged to adapt to that change and really stay on task, but but also keep keep that positive approach, which is so crucial. Absolutely. Companies are, are trying to figure this out as well, is what are the motivators for people? And this goes back to what I was saying earlier, is you have to ask people. If you look at some of the boomers or even Gen X, it might be financial motivation. We are a generation that was really driven by going in, working hard, keeping your personal life out, nothing else in. You just wanted to make the money. And if you look at your earlier in career, and I want to go on the record, I'm not saying that they are not monetarily driven. That is not what I'm saying. (laughs) But they value so many other things, flexibility balance? Um, Can I be my authentic self at work? When I was growing up, nobody cared if you were your authentic self at work. You went to work to do a job, you were paid, and then you left. Right. But the environment that we're in now, there's so many factors, and I think this is a healthier one. Let me just say this. There's so many factors that impact this. The environments that we are in today, people want to be able to bring their whole self to work. They also want uh, an environment where they can succeed and that you value the work that they're doing. 
that that they're doing something meaningful. And I would argue that that is equally as important as everything else when you're really creating and talking about how do you build this culture and this work environment. And that goes back to taking the time to listen, to ask first, and then listen to what people tell you really matters to them versus imposing what you believe matters to you on them. That goes right back to the all caps value that I've got written here on my notes. I think it's so crucial in creating that value, creating that opportunity, that culture that shows value, that really lives valuing your employees. That's going to carry so far with creating that just great talent experience. Now, Jolly, as we're looking at, again, that September surge that is driven by a talent marketplace, do you have any tips for hiring teams where they can make the most of this opportunity and really find the candidates that they actually want and need? And again, back to that idea of resources, what's something that can really be a good use of time and money when looking for key talent? Yeah, I would say really focusing on a few different areas. And it's not a one shot, you're going to hit a ton of people and this is the magic bullet. I think that we have morphed into, as a society, into a more, I don't want to say complex, but a more blended view of how to really go out and find talent. And that is really offering the flexibility. And I'm not just talking about the hybrid ways of work. This is really being, to your point earlier, being creative. What are the ways of working that people are looking for today? Whether it be one time, I think it was last year, earlier in 2022, people were really on the four day work week. Then it's, are we two days in a week, three days? I would say those are pieces of it, but really to look at it holistically and say, what are the outcomes we need people to deliver? And then knowing those outcomes, how can we offer a flexible environment where they deliver the outcomes we need instead of going into the day in and day out? Now, there are tons of jobs and um, specifically in the business that we're in, and we have, we, we, we partner with a lot of organizations on this that require you to be in person because they are physical jobs where you have to physically be in person to deliver, but many of them are not. And so really focusing on productivity and outcomes. What is the environment that I can create for you to be able to produce the outcome that we need? Um, the, the earlier in career generations, I would say both millennials, I uh, started probably heavier with the millennials, definitely an expectation with the Gen Z. And I think it's interesting, the expectation with the Gen Z population is because they themselves are very diverse. Yeah. It is a very diverse population. So diversity is understood. Inclusion is expected. It's not a discussion for them. It is expected. And then they want to understand how you have created an environment of belonging. And that is a tremendous shift generation over generation. And for recruiting teams, really understanding the audience that you're speaking to and understanding what those audiences value when you're talking about a company, when you're talking about an organization, I think that's really key. Um, and really taking the time to explain the company values and then show examples. So if you're a company and you're saying we value diversity and then the person goes on their site and they don't see any diversity 
or they see your board of directors, your leadership teams, they checked out your team LinkedIn pages and they see that they would be the only person that looks like them on the team, I would argue you should probably reflect a little bit about what you're communicating that you're valuing. And even though you may internally, it may not be visible to prospective candidates. And this is what people look at. They're looking at LinkedIn, whether you have a Twitter page, what's on your board of directors page, what you've invested in from community values, community projects. And if you have not done any of those, but yet you are promoting yourself as a diverse and inclusive employer committed to the community, but they cannot see any of it, um, I would argue to make sure that as a recruiter, you're speaking to with examples and antidotes that will help move that along. Another fun area, uh, I would argue recruiters are really uh, diving into, and we're all learning. So this is an area I see something new every single day in the news about it, and we are continuing to learn about it, and that's AI really understanding AI and technology and how as a recruiter to leverage it, to find the best candidates, but also cast a wider net and making sure we understand what that should be. We know that companies really need to be smart and intentional about how they incorporate this. You want to be safe, but they are proving early on to create really unique value streams for us in the recruitment process. So making sure for our recruiters that you're taking the time to learn and understand that. And for companies who are out there that you are running towards, it doesn't have to be AI, but you're running towards more technology than away from it. Because in the recruiting space, it is definitely the future. That is some great advice. I'm taking away just defining, right? Like that's where our teams need to invest. Define where your stance is with flexibility. Understand what flexible means to you. Define your stance on AI. Define your stance on diversity, on DEI, and what it means to be inclusive. It's pretty transparent. Again, there's a lot of great information out there that talent have at their fingertips. They can figure out pretty quickly what you're about, what your values are. So really define that. Take it seriously and create that culture that you can then really bring out to the marketplace. Yes. All right. Well, Jolly Cohen, Group SVP and Head of Global Talent at the ADECO Group. So kind to join us today on the HR Works Podcast. Jolly, we know you've got more than two decades of experience in HR. And again, we've been talking just about talent at this point, but let's broaden the scope a bit. What's something you've seen out of the HR community this past year that really stood out to you? What's the best thing you've seen? How unbelievably resilient we are. We are the most resilient community. I And I am partial. I own it. I am absolutely partial but man, we are resilient. It is, it is an area where we have been thrown, and I literally mean that, uh, in the spotlight and in some cases to the wolves because we've had to redefine and recreate with the clear view that we needed to maintain and or build processes, systems, operations, workflows that allow for the company to continue. And we're learning on the fly because the environment is changing on a daily basis. We work with people and people are the, are the wild card in life, right? It's the most, you can't forecast, you cannot predict. You can run as many scenarios and analytics as you possibly can, but people are unpredictable. And that uh, unpredictable nature, and then with 
adding on top of that, just the need for companies to try to bring people back who do not want to come back, right? Many, many people have no desire to return to the office despite all of these company pushes, but it is our responsibility to create the environments, the policies, the programs, and oftentimes the dark boards on the on our backs where we're, we're enforcing this and saying you need to come back with the awareness that many people are not excited about the return to work. So I would say we are, to anyone in the HR community listening, kudos to you. It has been, it's always been a tough job, but I would say the past three years have been life altering and we are truly a resilient community and I am honored to be a part of it. That's so good. Resiliency is a great one. Really good one to call out there, Jolly. So looking ahead, are there any trends that you're excited about? Is there anything you see coming on the horizon that that you're really paying close attention to? Yes, I am very focused on the importance of outcomes and how companies, going back to what we were talking about a little earlier, I think the biggest trend is companies are trying to figure out how do we deal with productivity, this flexible work environment. And I can see a trend. It is a beginning one, but it is one that I see where companies are really shifting to people are unpredictable. We need this population. We need our existing and we need perspectives. We need the open talent market that this flexibility allows us to access. And what what do I mean by that? Just briefly, it means that before when I required someone to come into an office, I could only look in my particular location or require them to move. I now have access to employees nationwide, in some cases globally, that can meet my needs. So I've opened up the labor pool for myself there. And then looking at that piece, knowing that that's still, we're still experimenting, trying to figure out how to navigate that space, we're focusing on instead of trying to force people back, how do we create an environment? How do we have metrics? How do we evaluate outcomes? what really matters to us that gets accomplished. And I see that as a trend uh, moving away from some of the other discussions that I think we've heard a lot about in 2022 and even coming into 2023, that people are really focusing on how do we get our, our employees to deliver the most value, be the most productive in an environment that works for them. And that's the trend I see. Those are great. What you're doing there is leaning into technology, which you touched on earlier, and really yes. learning how to use that as a tool to propel you forward. That's, that's really cool. Again, something to be very excited about. We'll certainly be looking at that as well and just seeing, again, new ways for HR teams, for talent teams to utilize that technology in 2023 and beyond. Now, again, we're here with Jolly Cohen, Group SVP and Head of Global Talent at the ADECO Group. Jolly, tell us a bit more about the ADECO Group. Is there anything you're excited about? Do you have anything coming up that you want to share with our audience and certainly share the best place to get in touch with you and learn more? Absolutely. So you can always find me on LinkedIn. I think that's the easiest uh, place to locate me. There's so much exciting happening here at the ADECO Group. We are really um, focused on and our, our overall mission is making the future work for everyone. So whether it be on helping organizations um, improve their DNI through our placement of talent or leveraging some uh, state-of-the-art technology and recruiting processes through one of our brands, um, which is Pontoon, or really 
talking about what we did earlier with placement of our seasonal talent, our ADECO business is booming and thriving around the globe, really recapturing the market, some of the market that was lost during the, due to COVID, due to the furloughs that were happening and companies slowing down. And as they ramp up, we're really excited about helping them place talent. It could be in our ACOTUS business, which really focuses on digital and engineering consulting and making sure, especially what we're talking about in the world of AI and leveraging technology and access to talent, making sure that we're providing the consulting services that people need to move it forward. There's so many different areas that we have that I'm excited about and that we're proud of. But I would really say collectively, um, what inspires me and what inspires the tens of thousands employees we have around the globe is our commitment to making sure that people have an opportunity to work. And it's really, really an honor to serve in that capacity, um, whether it be for our internal talent or even seeing what evolves with our external. So it's really an honor to be a part of that. No, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. And we'll be sure to provide those links to the ADECO group on our site post on HR Daily Advisor too for anyone interested who's looking to learn more. Now, Jolly Cohen, again, joining us here. What's something you've learned about yourself over the past year? Just again, bring it back to you. I've learned, so I um, am usually, I don't want to say a perfectionist, but pretty close to it. We all strive for it. Some of us yeah. more than others. <laughs> Some of us, I do, I do. But I would say I have learned progress over perfection. Okay. And that has been something that has really grounded me is instead of really trying to make it perfect, focus on the progress, meaning the end result, it has to be perfect at the end, pausing and reflecting and celebrating the progress that we are making versus the ended state where I just want it to be perfect at the end. That has really been a learning for me and I am excited to dive deeper into it uh, as I progress um, both personally and professionally, but it's really an area that I'm proud of. That's a good one. Yeah. You're working toward perfection. It doesn't have to be there overnight, but Mm -hmm. are you taking steps forward to at least advance, right? And that's the goal. If you're doing that, you're doing something right. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Perfect. Well, that's a good starter for advice, but typically we like to close out here. I'm going to do it again. And it may be that progress over perfection is what you want to share, but has there been any piece of advice that you leaned on professionally throughout over two decades in human resources that you feel has really helped propel you and something you've been able to lean on that you could share with our audience and pay it forward? Yes, but it it may not be what people are expecting. Um, I would say keep your sense of humor. This has been something that has has kept me grounded, um, also internally um, at peace. And I think it's dealing with people. You have to real. I always say real people have real problems, and they're people. It's never personal. When you deal with day in and day out something that is so unpredictable, and it changes by the hour, and if you internalize that and you cannot step back and laugh not only at the situation, but yourself, I think it creates so much unnecessary stress. 
So I would say for anyone out there who, especially I have a lot of people I work with that internalize everything. I say, let it go and be able to step back and laugh it off. Having a sense of humor has saved, I would say saved my mental health over the past few decades, but also allows me not to take myself too serious. And this is something that plagues all professionals. We, we, we have one point in time we just take ourselves too seriously and life is, it is what it is. It's, it's, it's not something that we are controlling. We are along for the ride. So take the time to enjoy the moment and keep your sense of humor. Yes, that is a great one. Thank you for sharing that one with us, Jolly. All right. So one last question. This is a bonus question for you before we wrap up here. And this is built around motivation. I think you're going to like this one. Wake up in the morning, your feet hit the floor. What is the one thing that gets you motivated to start your day? Oh, wow. That is a, I have, there's so many. So I, I'm going to have to be honest in this one. I am, I'm one of those people that's intrinsically motivated. So I'll okay. name just a few. Um, the fact that I can get up in the morning usually gets me motivated. Being in HR, you see a lot and you see a lot of things from health to death and despair to just lots of tragedies. Um, my children, I have, I have two children. They get me out of bed. My desire to be better than I was the day before, that gets me out of bed. Um, the, the fact that I get to add value in some way, shape, or form every day of my existence gets me out of bed. Um, the chance to laugh gets me out of bed. There's so many things that get me out of bed. I, I wish I could give you, and I'm so sorry. I wish I could give you just oh, that's, one. That's good. The, the world doesn't know what, what it's got coming out of it when, uh, when you're hitting the floor. That's good. Yeah, no, I, I, yes. I, and I hop out early and I actually jump out of bed and I'm that person when I wake up, I'm up and I'm alert and I'm just happy to be awake. So I would argue there's so many, and I didn't even list all of them. There's so many things that motivate me personally and I think that's important because that translates into my work. So I'm coming in already motivated. You don't have to motivate me. My people that work with me probably know that. You don't have to motivate me. I come in already charged up and ready to go. So it changes the dynamics of how I lead also. Because, because I'm motivated, I'm able to motivate others. So taking the time to understand what motivates you. That's the reason I share all of that is key because you're able to motivate others if you have that motivation yourself. That is a perfect answer. The train's moving. Get on board. Get on. That's right. All right. Well, Jolly Cohen, Group SVP and Head of Global Talent at the ADECO Group. Thank you so much for being on the HR Works podcast. It was great spending this time with you, learning just so much from you in, in this short time about where we're going with the talent market, really how to value your middle managers support all of your team from the bottom to the top and really just grow that team going forward, not just in, in going into Q3 of 2023, uh, but for the foreseeable future. And it can all be, really be done through the HR team. So thank you so much for, again, your just great insight, this conversation, and I hope we can keep it going in the future. Oh, my pleasure. I look forward to the next time we speak. I hope you have a fantastic day. Thank you for listening to the HR Works Podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.